Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by my friend Monica Genta. Monica, how are you? I'm super good. How are you? I'm excellent. So we were just talking a little bit uh, before we got on here about the weather. I'm, I'm feeling good. Uh, it's finally in the fifties and sixties and it might even, might even push to be 70 this weekend in Wisconsin. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Dream big, right? Yeah. Yeah. The only, the real problem we kind of ran into is our, where I live is only about 15 miles from the Wisconsin, Minnesota border, which is the St. Croix river, which is this beautiful river. So our high school kids are renting a, rented a boat so they could do their prom Oh my! And, yes, and the and the boat is still like the boat is frozen in the harbor. They can't get it out. Well, that so, will be an exciting boat for prom, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we're still we're still doing all of it on the boat, and I'm chaperoning. But it it just would have been so much, so much better. So I feel a little bad for my kids, but otherwise things are things are pretty good. But like I said, I really appreciate you taking some time to have a conversation with me. Totally, yeah, I'm excited. Awesome. All right, so we start every podcast with um what are called We Connect cards. And mm-hmm. they were created by a guy named Chad Littlefield who runs a company called We and Me. Um, and we met him a couple of years ago when we were at the University of New Mexico. And it's just a set of 60 cards that are all just like some fun questions and some like deep questions and some personal questions that just facilitate conversation. Mm-hmm. So, we, so we really like this. So Cool. Um, so the question is, and this is of the green variety, which is kind of the lighter question. What is something you have always wanted to learn? Something I've always wanted to learn. Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I guess for me, like so much of what I want to learn comes from like people asking like, hey, do you know how to do this? Do you have this skill? Can you help me with this? And generally my response is, yeah, I can totally do that. And even though sometimes I have no idea what I'm doing, like I'm the type of person who will learn on the fly. And if somebody needs some help with something, like I'll do their research and the legwork to make it happen. So one example of that is dead serious. A teacher at my school was getting married and needed a DJ and was like, hey, do you know somebody? And I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. I do that. And she's like, I didn't know you do that. And I'm like, well, I haven't. But I could get it figured out if you need a DJ. And so uh, that started about five or six years ago and have been doing it ever since like school dances, uh, student events, and it's been a blast. So um, I don't know if there's something specific I want to learn. I don't really know until people ask. Oh, that's such I th- I thought you were going to say because I've heard this that you know friends were getting married and you decided to become a a pastor or an officiant because I've had I've had <laughs> hey. friends that have done that. Too. Yeah. Uh, I would I would totally explore that. I think for me and this is like and this is this is kind of a moderately embarrassing part like I've always really wanted to be like a really good dancer and not yeah. like not like ballroom dancing but like the dancing you see like in a Bruno Mars video or a Justin Timberlake video like that mm-hmm. that's my dream is to be that good of a dancer. And I think if I like like really worked at it, I could be a better dancer than I am. But, but once I get going, like my sister is getting married. Uh, I have two sisters. One is already married, but my, uh, my younger sister is getting married in two weeks. And, and once the, the music starts, like I just won't care about whether I'm dancing good. I just am out there having fun, but For I sure. really like, I would love to be to be a really good dancer, that would be my thing for sure. Well, I give dance lessons, so if you need, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I totally don't, but <laughs> but you probably could based based on what you said. Like I could give it a whirl. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So the 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 next question we always ask is, could you tell us about your favorite teacher and and why that person was your favorite teacher? Yeah, this is a really fun question, and I like it a lot. And I swear this is not a cop out answer, but like. For me, my favorite teacher, I would say, like, I choose D, all of the above. And the reason why is um, every single teacher that I had, I learned something awesome from them, whether it was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that in my own classroom, or 
I am totally going to learn from that and never do that in my own classroom. And it was really funny. I was actually cleaning out um, some shelves at my parents' house. They're getting ready to move. And I found a journal from when I was in, like, elementary and middle school. And I found notes of all the things I liked and disliked about previous teachers. And I was like, this is amazing content right here. Like, this is so fun. And so when it comes to favorite teachers, I truly am appreciative of every single one that I've ever had because they taught me something that I either wanted to do or not do in my own classroom. And as I was reviewing those notes, like some of the stuff is completely legit, like, 25 years later that's awesome I, if i had a notebook like that i would just like once a day be posting a page of it on instagram and just like oh uh, yeah that's, right that's i should crazy do that, that that's a so, great idea that's crazy that you were so self-aware like at that time to really like understand that you like were you doing that because you wanted to become a teacher or is that just what you did um, yeah, I knew from a very early age that education was going to be my jam. Now, it was kind of interesting because when I was in third grade, I wanted to be a third grade teacher. And then in eighth grade, I wanted to be an eighth grade teacher and so on. But um, I knew, like, I never questioned that education was going to be, like, my passion and my purpose. But it didn't really get defined until, like, college. I kind of nailed down, like, okay, I want to do middle school, and science is going to be, like, my content. Right. Awesome. All right. So so keep it moving with, with a little bit of the light stuff. As a teacher, if you had to be a superhero or have a superpower, which which superhero or superpower do you think would best describe you? Okay. Um. Total love to anybody who loves superheroes, but straight up, I don't know anything about any of them. Like, I don't know their superpowers or anything, so I couldn't even make this up if I tried. Um, but if I can just make one up on the fly, I would say, like, Captain Confidence. Um, okay, so my thing is, I really push this with my students. Whether they are great dancers or not great dancers or awesome speakers or not awesome speakers, I want them to just own who they are in that time and in that space and like just roll with it. And so as a teacher, I think that's a really important skill to teach kids to just even if you are uncomfortable, just just own it and just try to be as confident as you can. So. I think I would just make up my own superhero if that's if that is an acceptable answer. That's what I'm. That's going with. that's perfect. You know, okay. um, we've had some really interesting answers recently, so it's it's all good. And and you know, it's it's just one of those questions that we heard once, and we were like, oh, that's a good question. Yeah, that we it's, we yeah, stole like it, it from some. We stole it from somewhere, but no, that you're the first person to like make up your own. But I I love what you said though about helping kids own it because I think there was a time like and I know it's like the natural progression of a a kid. But like up until eighth grade when you just lived and you didn't care what anybody think or what anybody thought. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was really like my freshman year of high school that I really became aware of like what other people thought. And there were just so many parts of my life that kind of went by the wayside during that right. time that I really yeah. was like, gosh. And then you – and then like through my 20s, it was probably just as bad. And, you know, in into my late 20s and then my early 30s, you kind of understand like – yeah, you know, I mean, I'm going to own who I am and I'm mm -hmm. going gonna, gonna to be who I'm going to be. And that's, I mean, and that's, and that's one of the great. Recurring, great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the recurring themes we own, you know, always the people we've talked to on the podcast just say, you, you got to own who you are as a teacher if, if kids mm -hmm. are going to own who they are as a student. So exactly. That's, that's a perfect answer. So, all right. So in your opinion, what is the state of education in, in America today? Oh, man. So... I, you know, this is a hot question right now. And anybody who's not in education, like their favorite thing to talk about with educators is like, what are your thoughts on all of this? And my response is pretty unwavering. Um, my one word response to them is education is awesome, period. And despite the fact that they are not seeing that in the media and on TV and you know, you see things about school violence and you see things about budgets and protests and all this. What they aren't seeing is the 
awesome things that is that are happening in classrooms everywhere. Teachers are crushing it and students are learning and people are having a blast and education is awesome. And I really, really wish that we could highlight that in the media more. And it's, it's one of my truly personal goals to do that, like on social media. I feel like teachers have this incredible platform to um, either highlight what, what news media is highlighting or to highlight the super authentic, real, cool stuff that's happening. So um, I, I'm not, I don't want to be unrealistic about all the things that, that are a struggle right now, but I also actively make the choice to focus on the fact that, that education is awesome and it deserves to be celebrated. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good way to put it. And that, you know, that's right in line with what so many people have said it, but it's, it is so hard, you know, as an educator to, to insulate yourself mm-hmm. from everything that's out there. And, and to some degree, like you said, I want to be concerned. Like I, I want to be concerned with what happened in Oklahoma or what's happening right. in Arizona, but on the same token too, you can't let it kind of jade you and, mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, what it's like for, you know, a 21, 22 year old teacher who's brand new coming in and, and this is the environment they come into. Cause I'm 33 and like, I'm, I've been in the profession long enough and I'm, I've grown enough as a person that I can separate like mm-hmm. what really happens in classrooms versus what we see in the media. I mean, cause I think you can do that with any real aspect of the media. Right. Like there's there's so much more good out there, but there's always more to the story, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's a thing with it too. But I, I really like, you know, some of the simplest answers we can give as as teachers are are the one to two word ones that are just mm-hmm. like, Yep, this is this is what we do. So Exactly. So do you have an edu- what you would consider an educational philosophy? Yeah, I do. And and this is something that, you know, has kind of evolved over time. And you mentioned these new teachers who are kind of just getting into the profession, kind of wondering like, oh my gosh, is this always how it's been? Um, and so I've been, I've been a classroom teacher for 10 years now. And I've kind of just recently had this, this really strong epiphany that um, education like I said earlier, it deserves to be celebrated. But but more importantly, every single person who walks into a school deserves to love that experience, period. So whether you are a, a teacher or a student or a secretary or a principal or a parent, it doesn't matter. Like every single person deserves to love that because education matters. And so that's that's really what my philosophy as education has evolved into and it's really about that community right like it's not just about teachers and not just about students and and leaders it's about all of us coming together and saying like let's make this place awesome yeah i you know the way wilkie my my partner wilkie has often described it is he just says like what think of what it would be like if we could just get everybody to agree and understand that we're all on the same team mm-hmm. like we're just you know from from admin to parents to to teachers to students you know that that aspect of community because i've i've been in schools where that was the case where the community is just unbelievable mm-hmm. and then i've been in schools where it was you know very very petty and very you know people kind of really only looking out for themselves and it Mm -hmm. it really reflected on the way the students behaved and it's I I think the most surprising thing that I've learned or observed as a teacher is how quickly students will model their teacher oh absolutely how how quickly the way a teacher responds to a situation is the way that kid will respond to a situation Mm -hmm. and it's just it blows my mind, but that's a, that's a fantastic answer to just, you know, everybody does deserve to love school and, and for it to be a place where, because I don't, I mean, do you feel like a kid who doesn't really love school can, can really learn? Yeah, I, I, I think they can, um, but I think it takes a heck of a lot more grit to do that. And so I think, I think that goes back to kind of relationships, right? Like I want to see the people that I work with as a family and I want my students to see that community as a family. And so 
when students are walking into buildings where they feel safe and they feel loved and they feel supported and they they just are like oozing with that passion to be in the building i think that that's the game changer for them and actually wanting to learn and then being open to that process right right i mean and that's and that's just you know the every every single person we've talked to talks about relationships and just mm -hmm. the value do you feel like you know cuz you're you're doing a lot of professional development too right, right. besides just being a classroom teacher Mm -hmm. Is our relationships something that are being, you know, explicitly taught to teachers? Are there a lot of professional developments out there really specifically for relationships? Because from my experience as, you know, in my college uh, preparedness program, mm -hmm. I never had a class that ever talked about relationships. Yeah. It was strictly just like strategies and content. So I'm kind of wondering if – if everybody knows the importance of it, are, are we preparing teachers with like real life strategies for how to build those relationships? Great question, right? So this is something that has kind of come out of necessity. Um, I think especially right now, going back to what we were talking about earlier with the state of education, I think educators and especially educational leaders are seeing the importance of that relationship component more now than they ever have before. So um, one of my top topics right now that um, is hotter than any others is the concept of um, building incredibly strong relationships with staff and student to create a dynamic climate and culture in your school. Like that is exploding right now because I think people are seeing like content can't happen and test scores aren't rising and like Budget doesn't matter if our kids' relationships with their students and their families are fractured. And so that is one of my most favorite things to, to, to teach and do professional development on is that social and emotional learning of not just the students, but the staff as well. And like we have to be mentally and physically like healthy and happy in order to do our job. And the kids have to be have to be the same, right? Yeah, and and that just that goes so much along with what we said, you know. I mean, because you know we talk about culture all the time. Like the the culture of a school matters, and like you said, I I I agree with you that the probably the the greatest determinant of a school's culture are the relationships. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whether. I mean, it's kind of the chicken or the egg, whether a great culture creates great relationships or, you know, a school with great relationships has a great culture. I don't know that you could differentiate, but, mm -hmm. but like you said, having, having those great relationships and, and having that, like you said, that dynamic culture, it, it just is, is paramount. Do you, so, you know, I, I, if we're, I think we're close to the same age, do you think, how do you think? social media and the internet have increased that need for relationships to become a priority in schools? Oh man. So it's like technology is the coolest thing ever because it has the opportunity to build, um, tons of relationships in a short period of time, right? Like something can go viral and something can go, can go wide and you can communicate with people on, on a pretty, um, surface level, but, but it does not replace those belly to belly or those face to face conversations and experiences that we have to have. And so do I think that the just absolute like viralness of social media has negatively impacted student relationships and staff relationships? Yes. But at the same time, like from a teacher standpoint, I've never had greater professional development opportunities than I do when I connect with other teachers across the United States and across the world on Twitter or Instagram. But I think as adults, we can differentiate what a surface level relationship is and what a deeply rooted relationship is. And our students cannot differentiate that. And so that's something that I love working with staff on and love working with students on is like, there is a difference between like, hey, that's my friend, but no, for real, that's my friend. And it goes beyond like knowing 
their dog's name and their favorite color and stuff like that. I'm talking about like deeply rooted relationships that help to create like the fruits of education. I am talking like we're going to dig deep. We're going to get real. We're going to get to know each other and it's going to get hard and it's going to get emotional. But at the end of it, it's going to it's going to be so meaningful and then we're going to be able to learn together. That is not a skill that's taught in colleges. That's not a skill that's taught to staff. But it's a skill that if we work towards, it's, oh, my God, it, like, will change education. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's super well said. So in terms of, so what I want to, I guess the question I'm trying to ask is, you know, how did you get to the point where, you know, you went from a classroom teacher to now a teacher trainer and author and speakers? What was that journey like for you? Yeah, it was a pretty neat evolution. Um, so... The the author thing was more of like a bucket list item. I have always liked writing and I've always liked the process of it and the creativity behind it. Um, but I was never like this like super polished writer. Like I, I, I was able to do it and I was able to formulate things very quickly. But, but I would read teacher books and think like, dang, this is so much jargon and this is so like scholarly and this is not my style and so just kind of for fun I said you know what screw it I'm gonna open a word document and I'm just gonna start writing and it almost became this conversation with me and my computer and I just started writing and I started writing and it was creative and it was funny and like I shared it with some of um my favorite teachers in my life and in my family in my life. And they're like, Oh my gosh, Monica, this is kind of funny. Like this is funny and this is meaningful and this is innovative. Like, I think you're on to something. And I didn't have like a publisher or a graphic designer. Like I didn't have any of those things that I thought you needed to be an author, but I rolled with it anyways. And I did research and I like started coming up with some mock artwork and, um, researched how to get a book printed. And in 2015, I actually had my first book called Game Changers, which is 20 innovation in like innovative strategies that engage and motivate kids to make learning ridiculously fun. And that, that was a blast to write. And, um, it kind of then spiraled into some professional development stuff. So I remember getting invited to a conference, um, and hadn't really been to much professional development. I was like six years into the profession and hadn't really ever attended any meaningful, like stuff where I can learn and people are like, Oh, it's going to be so meaningful. You're going to love it. And I was at a two day conference And I remember at the end of the two days, I got in my car and was, like, banging my head against the steering wheel. Like, I was just numb. I was numb and nothing that I learned I felt like was was just going to revolutionize my classroom. So I remember sitting in my car and I sent an email to a random conference that I found um, that, that coming summer and was like, hey... Do you, do you need any speakers for your upcoming conference? So this kind of goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Like I had never spoken professionally in my life. I'd never led a meeting. Like I'd never done any of this. And here I am sending an email saying like, oh yeah, I present. Uh, so I did this. Yeah. It was really like looking back. Like, what was I, I, I know I, I feel you. Cause you know, I did the same thing. Wilkie, my, my partner was a math teacher and now he's a math skill specialist and instructional coach. So like he had a lot of that experience and I hadn't, but you know, we just, I think we've, I think we probably presented six or seven times. So now I'm getting more comfortable with it, but like I was the same with you. Like, Oh Yeah. Can I, yeah, sure. We can do that. You know, whatever, whatever it winds up being, but no, that's, that's good. So, so you, so how, what was that conference like when you went to it? So I went and I just kind of like, you know, tried to put on my captain confidence pants and rolled with it. And at the end of the session, 
a group of women came up to me and were like, oh my gosh, they were, they were from the South. It was awesome. They're like, oh my gosh, you are so good at this. Can you come to our school and speak? And I was like, oh my God, I don't know. How, like, I don't know how to respond to this. Cause I'm, I'm like still a little like shocked at this whole experience. And I got really authentic with them and said, oh my gosh, ladies, thank you so much. I'm ridiculously flattered, but like, I don't do this for a living. I said straight up, I have never done this before in my life. This was my first session ever. And they were like, oh my gosh, you need to do this more often. So that was a really cool boost that I thought like, okay, maybe I, like, maybe I should try this again. And oh, oh, I, yeah. I, I would have, I would have I, I jumped. I would have 100% been like, yep, you bet. I will come to wherever it is you are. But, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's kind of that's kind of what ended up happening was like I told them and they said, "We don't care, will you come? Will you come work with us?" And I thought, oh, "All right." And that kind of evolved into like, "Okay, I just did I just did 12 different speaking engagements this year and that turned into 25 and that turned into 50 and now it's like Oh my gosh, at the end of 2017, I did like 87, um, like sessions somewhere in the United States. And, um, that's, that's kind of how it all started. It started at one conference that was awful and has turned into just incredible, meaningful professional development that I get the honor to, to work with really cool teachers and districts all over the United States. And I get to learn from them too, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, and, and the one thing that stood out to me from that story is like, you could have gone the other way after that bad professional development. Like you could have mm -hmm. so easily just packed it in on professional development and, and like you said, use it as a negative and just been right. angry about, about the way it went down. But like, um, yeah, you know, it's, and it's so crazy. And I, I really love like, um, more of how a lot of the conferences are becoming like just teachers mm -hmm. where the, 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 the vast number, cause we had Tasha Wright on a couple of weeks ago and she yes. was, she's so fantastic. And like, she just talked about how, you know, they really had the vision for it to be a conference of, of just teachers collaborating and communicating. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I, I wish that would have been the culture when I first started. Cause I think like you, I would have been a lot happier and I would have grown a lot more. And I think too, like giving these, giving teachers opportunities to present and collaborate. I mean, that, that, that's all good for your classroom. I think, right. Right. You know, the presentations I've given have definitely made me more confident in the classroom as well, for sure. Mm -hmm. So could you, so, so the Game Changers is 20, 20 activities. Can you give us an example of maybe one or your, one or two of your favorite activities that you have in Game Changers? Yeah, sure. So um, one of them, I guess let's go back to like the relationships. We were talking about that and one of my most favorite things um, that I do at the very beginning of the year is about building that climate and culture, but doing so in like a really fun way. And so um, I, there's something that I do called like Family Feud, and it, it's based off of the game show Family Feud. And you'll notice on that game show that somebody in the family can give like the worst answer ever, like not even remotely close to anything that the survey is going to say. Right. And the whole stinking family is standing there clapping saying like, good answer. And in their heads, they're thinking what, like that was the worst answer I've ever heard in my life. Like why did grandma just give that answer? Right. But they're ridiculously supportive, like unwavering, ridiculous support. And so one of the one of the game changing strategies I talk about in that book is like how we as teachers have to operate on the exact same philosophy as like family feud. When students are struggling and when they're they're having a hard time coming up with the answer, we have to support and we have to we have to rephrase the question and we have to give them hints and we have to do all these things. But one, we can't let them off the hook. In family feud they they get the X on their face, but nine times out of ten, if they give an incorrect answer, they're still getting supported. And that answer is somehow helping the family to figure out what is the answer. So it's it's all about like questioning and answering. 
the family feud philosophy is is a game changer because kids feel supported everyone participates and at the end of it whether your answer is correct or not like we're going to celebrate that because you're part of this school family you're part of this classroom community and we're glad you're here um, so that's kind of a, like a summary of one of my most favorite things that I do. And I do that at the very beginning of the school year because that sets the tone for how we roll from day one to day 180 of the end of the school year. Like kids are going to feel supported and everybody participates, period. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe, maybe I don't watch a lot of like daytime TV. I think Family Feud is maybe not quite as friendly because that, that guy Steve Harvey hosts it now and the few seasons. It's you know, changed always, a little, yeah. There's, there's always like you see the clips on Facebook of him just like, given a funny look i mean and he's not berating anyone by by any means mm-hmm. but like you said it's it's that moment where like no matter what how how bad the answer i mean because you know if if you related that to a classroom like i know you've experienced and you've seen you know a kid gives an answer that's kind of out of left field and they get ridiculed for it mm-hmm. you know and not on family feud though right i'm no. talking like family feud 1960s like Everybody oh, yeah. was supportive on those shows, right? Oh yeah, I mean, even like even like through the '90s, they're still, yeah. you know, super supportive, and that's that's a great one. So, all right, so so you have game changers, and then how did 180 Days of Awesome come about? Huh. That one was different. That was out of desperation. Um, so I let's see, how many years ago would that have been? Three years ago seriously considered like leaving the profession and I'm not talking about like to be an administrator or to be like an educational consultant like I'm talking like hey dad can I come sell used cars with you like leave the profession and I hated that because like nobody knew how much I was struggling I very much kept it to myself because on the exterior I was a confident teacher and I loved it but but internally like my mindset was all out of whack and so I decided like I had to do something because I did not want to abandon the profession so what I started doing was keeping like an awesome journal a journal of awesome every single day before I left like the the building for the day, I would sit down at my computer and I would sit and reflect on the most awesome thing that happened that day. And I would intentionally choose things that weren't obvious. Like it wasn't like every single kid got an A on the quiz today. No, it had to be those little tiny things that popped up during the day that that I missed, but I wanted to take a step back and pause and reflect because I really believe like those little moments of awesome every day have this huge potential to add up to create like one big awesome school year. And so this was all like selfishly for me. It it was an opportunity for me to realign myself with why I loved this profession and why it like why it was my passion. Um, and similarly to Game Changers, about 100 days in, I thought, you know what? I, like, I don't think I'm the only one who feels this way. I would bet that there are tons of teachers in this building who need a little extra boost, and this concept might just be that boost for them. So I kind of shared it with a group of friends, and they're like, this, like, this is what teachers need. It's funny some days. It's heartfelt some days. I laugh some days. I cry some days. It is exactly the roller coaster of a school year. Like, this, this is the jam. And so that's how that was born. Wow. I'm So was there a particular thing that was going on that had, had turned you off to the profession, or was it just kind of the cumulative strain because I prior to this year I took I took a year off because mm-hmm. um, my my partner Wilkie and I we have a nonprofit as well that we do like our professional developments and our trainings through and I just was at a point where I just felt like I, I just need to get away from the classroom so I spent a year just working on our nonprofit and I think having done that the cumulative weight that kind of came off of my shoulders of spending a year really being reflective. So not, mm-hmm. you know, a lot like you did. I, I, I think 
there's so much value in that reflective piece. And I just wonder if there was, you know, something, you know, that was happening either in the classroom or, or, you know, on the personal side that had kind of gotten you to that point that you were thinking about leaving. No, I honestly think that it's, it's really this neat parallel between the book and what was going on in my, in my like life in general. I think it was all the little things. It was all those little things in education that were getting me down. All those tiny moments that were not awesome caused my mindset to just be like, like wrecked. And so it wasn't, it wasn't as one thing that got me jaded. It was just those little things that added up. And I thought like, what am I doing? Um, but total, total like flip flop after I wrote that book. And, and since then, um, it's my mindset, my mindset's in a good place with education. And so this, this next year, I'm on this really, really cool journey um, of doing speaking and consulting and writing with educators full time for one year. And people are like, I can't believe you're quitting. And I'm like, I'm not leaving the profession. Like, I love education. My goal is to enhance this profession for other teachers. Like, this is my place. And if I can just spread this message of like celebrating education and celebrating students and helping other teachers find the passion in their profession again, like that is a huge education win. Are you, are you taking a sabbatical or are you? Yeah, exactly. I'm on a one year sabbatical starting um, August 1st. Nice. That's, oh man, that's going to be such a such a such a cool year you'll have to let us know if you're either either in Houston or you know Wisconsin I'm and or to Minnesota be in Houston for sure um and then I know I'm gonna be in Houston next like March ish um and then working on a contract in the Wisconsin area actually right now so it's it's gonna be an adventure I'm gonna be in so many cities and doing so many fun things with teachers and and just helping them um and collaborating with them so we can so we can do some really cool things in education together yeah I really I really like what you said though because I you know I I have a gratitude journal that I write in every night and the challenge is to write is to write three different things Mm -hmm. every night so you're not just being like repetitive with right you know like I'm repetitive like every time I see my nephews I will like write in my journal that I'm thankful for for them but I will try to write something that's really specific and Mm -hmm. I've just been you know like you said it's it's so easy once you get like you said kind of going down that negative path and that how quickly that negative path can spiral but it's it's hard to start, I think, but I think your experience and my experience would say that once you get rolling on the positive path, you can you can keep that momentum rolling in that direction just as easy as Absolutely. you can let it go, let it go down the negative path. So, mm-hmm. and, and I think it comes back to the point you were saying earlier about the importance of self care. Like, talk a little bit about what you see as the importance of self care for teachers. Oh my gosh! Like hugely, hugely important. Um, like if you are not your best version of yourself on a personal level, like there is no possible way that you're going to be the best teacher version of yourself. Like it's just impossible. And so I think that like teachers right now are trying to keep so many parts of their life together that they start abandoning like like enjoying things in their personal life and they they put like family on the back burner and they put like they're just personal interests on the back burner and I and I don't think this is just in education I think this is in a lot of careers right now that people are trying to just push the boundaries of everything and and I think sometimes like it's something that I'm learning to do is sometimes you have to say no so you can say yes to the right things Right. And, and it's different yeah. for each person what the right thing is to say yes to. But but golly. Right. There's some power in, in saying no to things. And and something like self-care, we should say yes to that all day, every day. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's really um, with our nonprofit. Well, we that's that's like the whole thesis that we have. That is, if if you strive for personal development as a teacher, 
there's no way that you won't in, improve as a teacher. Like there's, there's no way you could possibly become a better person and somehow become a lesser teacher. And mm-hmm. what we, what we are really striving to do and what we're, we're hoping to launch it with a school or a district this fall, but uh, if not, we're going to just do it digitally is, you know, a, a really a two year mentoring program for brand new teachers that is nice. r- really solely focused on that is really the, developing the personal side and, and the relationship side of coming into the profession. Cause you know, like I love the Instagram community, but there are so many teachers that you know, how often do you see somebody on there, their story, it's like leaving school at 7 PM, you know, doing mm-hmm. those things. And, right. and like, even, even for me, like I just look at, I, I am not the fittest nor the healthiest person on the planet, but like teachers who, you know, don't, don't prioritize their health or their fitness or their diet. Like I know you see, and I know you probably experienced like what the teacher diet is. Oh man. Like, yeah. And I, I did it my first, I did it my first year. Like I saw everybody eating out. So I was just like, mm-hmm. Oh, I guess that's what you do. You know? So, so those aspects of, and you know, I work out in our high school weight room at five every morning. Yeah, and every every once in a while there'll be kids that'll stroll in for like a practice, like at six fifteen or six thirty, and they're like, "What are you doing here?" I just tell them like, "That's, I mean, that's the way I want to start my days." Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's something to be said for that, right? Like, yeah. like winning the day with a workout. Like, if you're and I, like, I feel like we're connected in that way. Like, days that I work out, set my alarm at like 5.02 a.m. Every day that starts like that goes so much better in the classroom, goes so much better personally, goes so much better professionally. Like, that is a game changer in the day. Oh, yeah. And I, and you know, the, the strangest things that I feel like I need less caffeine or I crave less caffeine and less food on the days when I work out. It's so weird because I would think it would be the opposite. Right. Like, I would think on the days that I would work out that my body would be just like craving food. Mm-hmm. But it, but it, it just doesn't. And, you know, that's that's something I really, yeah, does getting up at, does getting up at 440 every morning suck? Yeah, you bet it does. But, mm-hmm. and does, you know, does my kids teasing me that I'm in my bed at nine every night? You know, it that, that doesn't bother me, but, you know, they, they get after me and even my friends get after me. Like my friends know not to text or call me after nine because they know it. I'm, okay. they, they, they know I'm not going to pick up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and even, and even in the self-care realm, the one thing that I do that so many people I talk to refuse to is I leave my phone in the other room. I mm-hmm. don't, I don't bring my phone into the bedroom and it makes such a difference because when it's there, you're just like, Oh, I could, I could check it. Just to see right, it. And, right. and I love how many people and students themselves too, they're like, well, it's my alarm. And I told, like I told a group of kids one day, I was like, okay, I will buy each of you an alarm if you'll promise mm-hmm. to leave your cell phone in the other room. And they're like, no, we're not doing that. So, you know, just those, just those little things, I think. Simple self- things. Yep. Yeah. It does. And, and like you said, you know, with how you kind of got in the negative, the negative spot is. You know, it's just the little things that eat away at you, but on the same token, go in the other direction. It's it's not one thing. Like, and mm-hmm. back to your point of, you know, like the viral mentality that our society has. Like, self-care is not just like a, hey, I do this this one time, and I'm all of a sudden this fantastic different person. It's it's the little steps that you take mm-hmm. every every day. And I And for me, just on the self-care front, I think one of the most important things I've done as well is to really – to really have some difficult conversations with friends and and cut some people out of my life that weren't bringing that weren't bringing positivity and weren't bringing value mm-hmm. into it cuz i i was definitely there were some years when i was teaching that i was not necessarily hanging out with a bad crowd but just not with a crowd that really gave me that positive mentality and i know i took it into the classroom mm-hmm. like I, I i i know it got into the classroom and as i started to really surround myself with people that were bringing positivity and bringing light and bringing, bringing joy to my life. It, it, it's reflected in, 
in the way I approach my classroom for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It, that goes back to that saying no. Sometimes, sometimes you have to say no to things, and sometimes you have to say no to people, and yeah. and that's okay. It's like just that's part of life. Absolutely. All right. So we want to definitely be respectful of your time. So we'll kind of try to end with the you know kind of the wrap up question. So what sure. is you know I, I I know you are passionate about education, but what's something else you're really passionate about right now? Right now, I honestly, like, I am super passionate about helping people, like, discover the best versions of themselves. And that that is mostly in education, um, helping teachers find the best versions of themselves as educators and, like, unleashing that uniqueness that every teacher has inside of them. But I like doing that with students, too. And as a middle school teacher, like, I'm really, really excited about helping kids figure out who they are. And middle school's a weird time. Like, there's nobody on this planet who's like, oh, yeah, it was totally normal for me. Like, middle school was so easy. It's just not. And that's okay. And so for me, like... I get really amped up when I can just see kids figuring out who they are right in front of me, like live in front of me, whether it's something that they say or something that they do or something that they wear, like that, that moment where it's like, dang it, you are 13 and you are on this really cool self-discovery path. Like that is insanely exciting for me. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So and this can be outside of education. This is just can be life in general or education. What's the best advice you've been given and who was the person that gave it to you? Oh, this is good. I'm like, I'm like a quotaholic. I think there's a lot of meaning with words. Um, but I would probably have to say um, my brother dropped some huge wisdom on me. And I don't know if he, I don't I don't know if he gets credit for for this quote in its origin, but he's he's the one who dropped it on my life. And it's don't talk about it, be about it. Um, him and I are big believers in like there's so many people in this world who like I'm gonna do that when this happens, and I'll think about doing that then, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about all these dreams and goals and opportunities I have, but but that's all it is. It's talking. And so my brother often will say, don't just talk about it, Monica, be about it. And I think it's this ultimate like motivational quote that there's talkers and there's doers. And I want to talk and then do. Um, I don't want the conversation to be the end point. I want that to be the stepping stone for the next, the next thing so that I'm never living this life that is just stagnant like I I constantly want to grow and for me that quote is always in the back of my head that's awesome that's such a that's such a good quote and 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 like you said you could relate it to to our conversation about you know the social media world there's so many mm -hmm. so many and people that are talking about it and I think as a teacher that's maybe the best example you could set for the kids is is what it, what it looks like to really be about something as opposed to mm -hmm. just talking about something. So, all right. So if you could give a struggling teacher, and I know this is very broad, but you know, the teachers who you meet that are struggling, what's, what's the advice you tend to give them most often? I think for me, and this is something I love to do. Like I, I love a pre-service teacher so much. I love going into university and colleges who, uh, with kids who are getting ready to student teach and, and two pieces of advice. It's kind of like a two prong thing that I, that I tell them before I go is you're going to struggle. And I know in your head, you feel like it's going to be like rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. And it will be a lot. But, but there are going to be points that you struggle. And when you do, two things have to happen. One, you have to tell somebody. Like, I think there, there's this, like, mindset out there that, like, I can do this. I can get this out of my own. And there's something really cool about, like, telling people when you need help because it's out there. So struggling teachers, whether you're a first-year teacher or a veteran teacher, you got to tell somebody that you're struggling. And then two... You got to change something. Um, I really don't think that people can grow, especially in education, if we keep on doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that's part of the reasons why I wrote Game Changers is like, 
sometimes we got to mix it up. And if we change things and try new things, we're going to eventually find something that works. So I think that's what I'd say. First, tell somebody they're struggling and be okay with that. And then just change something and see what happens. Awesome. All right. So second to last question here, what's, what's your proudest accomplishment to date? And that can either be in the classroom or outside. Oh man. Um, I don't know if there's like a singular instance. Um, but I think that, I think that I would have to do something with like authenticity. Like I have never been somebody who just like rolls with the norms. When somebody says that's how we've always done it and that's how it's been done traditionally and like this is this is um I don't know just like a, the normal kind of thing to do. I I like to crush those norms and prove that like sometimes there are better ways of doing things and I always want to make sure that anything I'm doing is authentic to who I am as a person and just not just in my heart, but also in my head. And so I don't know if I can say like this one accomplishment back in 2012 is, is where it was at, but just anything I do, whether it's big or small, like I want to, I love the saying, like you do you, right? Like I want, I want to do me, um, and be the best possible version of myself in every single accomplishment, big or small. Awesome. That's a, I mean, and that's, that's a good thing to strive for and a good, good thing to be proud of. So, all right. So for the people listening that may not know you or may not follow you, where are the best places that they can connect with you online? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we talk about social media and how it can be this not so great thing, but as, as professional educators, it's a really cool thing to be able to connect with other people and learn and grow from them. So uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook um, at Monica Genta Ed, uh, G-E-N-T-A-E-D. So Monica Genta Ed. And then also on my website, I got some pretty cool stuff going on right now on my website and some really fun stuff happening this summer that I'm going to be um, connecting with people on. So my website is monicagenta.com. So I love interacting with people that um, have either heard these podcasts or I've, I've presented with them or even just people who are like, hey, um, I found your page and can, can we connect? Yes. The answer is yes. Let's do that. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So, um, before we ask you the final question, just once again, thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed the conversation and I know that a yeah, lot this of is teachers great. are, are going to find value in it. And we hope that, um, you know, everybody listens and shares and goes out and does that. So final question for you, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh man, the deep one at the end. I like yeah, it. Yeah, gotta you gotta close it up strong. That's good. Um I think I would want people to say like Monica Genta celebrated awesome. And whether it's the awesome in my own life or the awesome in other people's life or the awesome of this world, I wanna be known as somebody who who celebrated the right things, who got excited about the right things and wasn't afraid to like shout it from the rooftops. Um, that's, that would be like the ultimate legacy. If, if that's, if that's how I left this place, knowing that it was just filled with positivity and celebration. Awesome. Monica, thank you so much. We really appreciate thank the time. Thank you.